for us on this side of us uh, of it, because we are basically from the heathen nations, aren't we? You never thought about it that way, isn't it? Yeah, we 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 are actually on this side, and and we think, yeah, well, that's how it's supposed to be, because that's how it works. We are supposed to be recipients of of the grace of God, but in the time of of Peter. Uh, it was an impossible thing to talk about God in the house of a heathen, and that a Roman soldier. That is just not on. And that's why Peter was very hesitant to go to the house of Cornelius, and we read then, The next day Peter started out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. Now, I'm sorry to interrupt you. There are certain things in the book of of, of Acts that we have to pick up as we read because we can easily read over that. Like, for instance, uh, the next day Peter started, started out with them and some of the brothers. Some of the brothers. So Peter, when he lived in the house of Simon the Tanner, uh, he had other Jewish people staying with him, devout Jews, maybe devout Jewish Christians. So in them, this little group of people went. And that's how the Lord then opened the eyes of the church uh, to how he would now build his church beyond the national boundaries of Israel. The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. We've got it again. It's not just him. It is those with him. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met with him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. Talking with them, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask, Why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Four days ago I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Sent to Joppa for Simon who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea. So I sent for, your immediate, for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel telling the good news of peace 
through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the, bapt after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. You are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him, after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking this word, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on even all the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. This is the word of God. The growth of the church is the work of God as the, messages, the message of Jesus Christ is proclaimed by the church and applied to the hearts of the elect by the Holy Spirit. In our church calendar, we stand between the resurrection of the Lord and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as we follow the, the church year. The Bible this morning teaches us about Christ, the fruit of his resurrection, and also about the Holy Spirit and the application of this gospel to bring about a new life in the Lord. The Roman church believes that Peter was the first pope and therefore he had to be Catholic. I'm not so sure. I think Peter might have been a Presbyterian. I'll tell you why. He thought that his understanding of the scriptures was the only way. He could not tolerate the idea that other people could be right. We sometimes find ourselves in the same boat, isn't it, as Presbyterians. However, I still think we're right. He also could not stand the idea that sinners could become children of God and then be admitted to the membership of the church. More so if they were of dubious background. He wanted to keep the church pure by keeping the sinners out. And I think this is probably not a wrong picture 
of the average Presbyterian. As long as we can keep the church pure by keeping maybe the bad ones out. Well, this was at least the attitude of Peter before God convinced him otherwise through the teaching of the Holy Spirit. But this then, on the other hand, did not make him a Pentecostal, at least not in the everyday understanding of this term. His life was driven by the Holy Spirit, but what he, was, but what he proclaimed was not, as one would expect, about the fantastic qualities of the gifts in the Spirit Spurring people on to speak in tongues or to exercise spiritual gifts as we might hear in our day. God turned this man who once betrayed his master and savior into a preacher of the gospel of Christ. And that is the main thing of the apostle Peter. He now concentrated on one thing and that is to tell them about Christ. For this task he was enabled by the Holy Spirit and the message he taught was made acceptable and believed by the Holy Spirit. That is what all of us should do, whatever our church affiliation should be. We are a church in the name of Christ. We should be preaching the gospel of Christ according to the scriptures and the glories of his kingship. So I've got a few points of good news for you today. First of all, God does not show favoritism. That's good news. For Peter, as a true Jew, to mix with people of another race would border on blasphemy. To proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to such people was just unthinkable. It would be like throwing your pearls before the swine. Many years back, during an open-air evangelistic campaign in Pretoria, a complaint was brought in against the minister who preached the word to the passers-by. What was the complaint? Well, the person said, it was okay to preach the gospel in a church building, but not in the open where everyone who passed by could hear it because they might be sinners. And of course, that would include Black people too. Therefore, this complaint. Can you you understand what we in some cases do with the gospel? God had to change the heart and the mind of Peter to understand the great commission to go to all peoples and making them disciples, baptizing them and teaching them all he had commanded them. Initially, the first followers of Christ, coming from the Jewish background, understood this great commission as to reach out to the Jews in all the other nations and making Christians out of Jews. But it was not God's plan, because God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. And because this is so true, We can be here today. We're not here because we are from the Jewish line. We're not here even because we come from a Scottish line or some other noble tribe who deserve the grace of God. No, it is by the grace that we are what we are, children of God in Jesus Christ. 
And now that we are his children, our attitude should be not to keep the church pure by keeping the sinners out. We cannot and should never develop an attitude that we are better than those outside as if they are not worthy of the gospel. It is told of Charles Finney who became a Christian and then attended a church where the members were very self-righteous. It was in those churches where people bought their pews. I've, I don't know if you've been to these old churches where people actually would buy a pew and it's got a little door. So you can actually lock the door and if you're not, if you're not, you not go to church that Sunday, no one sits in your pew because you lock it. It's true. It, it, it happened in those days. Have you been to Port Macquarie for when there's a church like that? Well, we don't buy our pews these days, but tell you what, we like to sit in the same pew every Sunday. And beware the visitor who makes it into our pew sometimes. But Finney had a burning heart for people to hear the gospel. But he had bad people that he worked for, that worked with, that they were the only people that he really knew. And he wanted them to know about the gospel. So he worked out a scheme. He bought the vacant pews at a price out of his own pocket. And then one Sunday he marched the lame and the sick and the crippled and the blind in their smelly clothes into the church to sit in his pews to hear the gospel. It caused an uproar, but at least sinners could hear about the saving grace in Jesus Christ. This gospel about Christ must be heard by all people and all nations because God accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. And when Peter understood this principle, the mission field was as big as the world and there in the house of Cornelius, the Roman centurion, Peter found some of the sheep of the flock of Christ that he was commanded to feed. That's, that, that's good news. That's good news that God does not show favoritism. And today, the church of Christ is made up of people coming from all corners of this world, speaking all sorts of different languages from all cultures Worshipping one Savior, Christ Jesus. Maybe, maybe as Presbyterians sometimes and as Australians, we, we might think that we are, we are in the church. We're actually a bit better than those outside. We're not. We have just been given grace in Christ. And others have not received or accepted that grace. And in some cases, people are kept out of the church purely because of the attitude of those who go to church. I heard of this lady, and I have not put this in the text, but I've heard of this lady, and I think I've told you that, and if I did, so I'm sorry. This young girl... She fell pregnant outside of marriage. So in those days, they sent them away for a long period of time, and then she comes back, and 
You know the story. But this girl felt very, very sorry, and she had, she had this guilt complex that would not let her go. And then someone said, why don't you get it, go to church? That's the place you need to be now. And she said, that's the last place that I want to go now because I know how I will be condemned and judged for what I did. Instead of having a place to come back to where sinners who received salvation can rejoice with others who have come home. Another piece, another good news that we have peace through Jesus Christ. Peter had only one message and that was about the reconciliation in Jesus Christ. He stood in that house and he proclaimed the good news of peace through Christ Jesus who is Lord of all. Yes, he is Lord of all. Even the Romans who nailed Jesus to the cross. Uh, there is not a square inch on the face of this world where Jesus Christ is not Lord. There is no ruler or king bigger than Jesus. And the news of the, go of the gospel is advancing where no iron curtain, no persecution, no, mart no martyrdom, no earthly kingdom can stop it. Some banned the Bible, but the airways belong to God. And some people came to the Lord by hearing the gospel on the radio. Some persecute and burn missionaries. And yet God is faithful to promise and promise to send out his word which will not return to him void. Pastors are locked up in prison cells and yet their congregations grow. Missionaries struggle to finance efforts of missionary work and yet God provides in miraculous ways even through the might of the widow or the oil in the jar which never runs out. Why? Because Jesus is Lord of all nations and his word will have success bringing in the harvest of the lost souls into the kingdom of the Father. Nothing can stop that. And I think we need to develop a vision of the greatness of our Lord once again as the missionaries did in years gone by. They never stopped thinking about the greatness of God and the greatness of Jesus Christ so that they could go into the darkest of countries believing that the light of the gospel will eventually overcome the darkness of unbelief. And therefore they went with the message of peace through Jesus Christ. In the first instance it is peace with God because the cross of, uh, and the resurrection of Christ by sinless obedience to death and by his righteousness purchased before the Father, we have peace with God. But the opposite is also true. Without his righteousness, there is no peace. Life is nothing less than a chase after, uh, after wind or passing peace, which only has uh, hollow promises. But when sinners find Christ, or rather when Christ finds the sinner, that overwhelming peace that surpasses all understanding makes itself home in the heart of the sinner. That's probably what David writes about in Psalm 23. 
He makes me lie, lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. In another psalm he writes, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress. I will never be shaken. You see that peace that comes into the heart of, 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 uh, of, uh, of a sinner who finds uh, righteousness of Jesus Christ and forgiveness of sins? Now if you have that peace in your heart, and I believe that it should be, that you would have the peace in your heart. Think of those who do not know him. And they don't have that peace in their heart. And one day, they might die without that peace. And it doesn't matter what's written on the headstone, rest in peace or whatever, there won't be peace if there's no peace with God. And therefore, my dear brother and sister, we should not rest while we can preach this gospel. With him there is a healing of the wounds. And I believe God is mighty to, for his own sake and his own glory, as he determines physically heal our diseases too. The devil is robbed of his power. Do you remember that man on the other side of the Sea of Galilee who made the cemetery his home, running around naked, breaking the chains of those who tried to keep him in one place, shouting out those horrible cries of blasphemy against Jesus? Our Savior healed him. He forgave his sins. And then he sat at the feet of Christ. Why? Because the evil is powerless against the power of God. There's another side of the peace in Christ, and that is peace between Christians of all nations. In the first place, it, means that, it meant that Jews and Gentiles would experience this newfound peace. What a revelation that was in the nation of Israel. The laws of the Old Testament preventing God's people from mixing with others were now fulfilled in Christ. The wall of separation is brought down. They are now members of the same household of Christ. They have one father, one mediator, one comforter, and therefore Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor male nor female because you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What a change. What a change. Peace with God, peace with one another. Another piece of good news. In Christ the scriptures are fulfilled. Every prophecy about Christ in the Old Testament is fulfilled. 
The wait is over. The time has come. Salvation is at hand. The Jews today are still waiting for the Messiah, but the good news is he has come. The Old Testament sacrificial system is fulfilled. No blood of bulls or rams because the blood of God's Son on the cross made an end to it. Which means, which means that the struggle we sinners have to make amends and try to make amends for our sin is over. By accepting the grace of God in Christ Jesus, we can stop, and we should stop, to be righteous and acceptable to God. When he died, he said, it is finished. The price was paid. God was satisfied. The scriptures are fulfilled. He who was promised to crush the head of the serpent right there in paradise has come. And he's done just that. And he has victory over the evil one. We have to believe it. And I want you to, to really believe so. Another good news. The message that we preach is true. It's true. It's, it, that's why we preach it. Those who saw the Lord physically after his resurrection speaks about it. It is not second-hand delivery or a, a passed-on delivery. Peter, and, and I find that very, very interesting, that Peter says, he did not appear to everyone, but he appeared to us who ate and drank with him. And of course, I think it, 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 it also refers to the, the communion they had with, last supper they had with the Lord. But can you remember on that morning that Jesus appeared to them at the Sea of Tiberias and then he prepared for them fish and then he handed out the fish to them and he handed it out to Peter. To Peter, the one who betrayed his master. And then he had that discussion with Peter. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you, do you love me? Peter, do you really love me? Go feed my sheep. Now where's the sheep? Peter, they're in Israel, they're in Samaria, but they are on the ends of the earth. Go, feed them. And here he is, speaking at the house of a Roman soldier. Can you imagine the change in his life? Peter, how would he remember that meeting with Jesus on the shore of the lake after he disowned the one he died for, who died and who died in his place? He personally met with Jesus after his completion of his mission on earth. And so did the other apostles, uh, uh, other apostles. More than that, the Holy Spirit who was on Jesus when he was baptized in the Jordan with the voice of God from heaven who declared Jesus to be his beloved son, now proclaims and applies the truth to the hearts of those who hear and believe. This message is true. We can take it from these people. They've been there. They've seen it. And they have, through the Holy Spirit, put that on paper so we can read it today. And another bit of good news. Jesus is coming again. Did you hear the message of Peter? 
Christ is the judge of the living and the dead. Yes, he is coming again to judge the living and the dead. For those who believe in him, that day will be a glorious one. About that day we sing, come Lord Jesus, yes, come soon. We are with creation growing with anticipation for the Lord of the day, for the day of the Lord when he will appear in the clouds, appear before the judgment throne of God and cover us in his seamless righteousness to go into the kingdom of God forever. Unfortunately, for others, this day of the Lord is not a day to look forward to. Because they dread the appearance of the Son of God. Their voices will be heard in the biggest prayer meeting of all times as they pray for the mountains and the rocks to fall on them and hide them from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Because we heard it last week, who can escape if we would ignore such a great salvation this salvation which is first announced by, announced by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. The message we read about in the Bible is coming again. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe next week. Who knows? But it's coming again. Last piece of good news from this chapter. His name is our guarantee for sins forgiven. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. What a wonderful message to proclaim. Objective faith in Christ means objective forgiveness of sins. It is not because of us. It is because of Christ. His name is our salvation. To believe in him is to have his name. And his name is Jesus, the Savior, the one who saves. His name is Christ, the anointed of the Father. And in his name, our sins are forgiven. My dear friend, I pray that God's word was heard today. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will declare it into your heart. And I pray that all of us will believe in him who forgives us our sin. Amen. Our Lord, we we thank you for the good news that we could hear today. Good news in every aspect. You look, you don't look at us in the language we speak or the color of our skin. You, you want us to hear the gospel. You want us to have peace with you. You tell us that you have fulfilled everything. We thank you, Lord, that this message is true. And we thank you for the name. The name that is to us the saving place.
thank you, Father, for the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen.